Hello and welcome to Automators, the automation podcast about making technology do all of your work for you because that is how we roll around here. I am Rosemary Orchard and joined as always by my co-host David Sparks. Hey David, how are you? I am excellent, Rose. Uh, really looking forward to today's show. We're going to be talking about make and uh, uh, I have lots of questions for you. I know you're in this one deep and uh, been looking mm-hmm. forward to this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been like in the makings ha, 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 uh, for a long time uh, because you know we've been talking about Integromat as it used to be called and then Make on and off and I've got a lot of scenarios set up in Make um, and I think it's one of those things that is going to be really good for our listeners to hear about for uh, two reasons. One, it's um, certainly cheaper than Zapier and offers alternative. It's an alternative to Zapier and if this and that. But also, it's a. It looks different. It is a very visual uh, setup to to create, and I think that. Some people struggle with a very uh, block-based layout. Some people struggle with shortcuts for exactly this reason. So it's always nice to look at uh, automation solutions that are a little bit different uh, to the other ones that are going. Yeah. Uh, before we get started, though, a couple things. Number one is next episode, we're going to do Q&A, questions and answers. We've got a list already from the forum and some of the emails you've sent us, but we would like to supplement it. So if you have automator questions and answers, Get them in so we can yep. uh, include them in the outline for the next show. We'd really love to hear you. Um, yeah. I guess the best place to send that, there is a feedback form at relay.fm slash automators. Yep, yep. There's a link there on the side. But you can also, if you're in the Relay FM uh, members Discord, then hi, thanks for, for being a member. Yeah. Um, you can also use uh, the question mark ask automators uh, function uh, that's in show follow-up is probably the best channel for that. Um, and of course, you can also use hashtag ask automators on Twitter. Uh, I do not have a Mastodon uh, hashtag search set up yet. That is actually surprisingly difficult to do. Um, but uh, well, I'll look into that for a future uh, one. So Maybe we'll end up talking social media in the future, David. Yeah, maybe. Well, since you raised it, put it actually, let's come back to that in a second because there's one other announcement I have for you uh, today in Automators Max. We're going to be talking about the Stream Deck Plus. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the new Stream Deck with uh, 400% more knobs. How's that? Oh, yeah. 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 Because it's got four, four, four dials. Yeah. And add a touchscreen, David. Touchscreen. Can't forget touchscreen. Uh, there's fun. an asterisk next to that touchscreen. But we, Rose and I both yeah. have them. Uh, we've got some early impressions we want to talk about. We're going to do that today in Automators Mac. So uh, we've yeah. got a lot on deck here. Uh, all right. So before we get into the show, uh, Mastodon, are, are, are you on it? Is this, you yes. know, how big of a deal is this to you? Uh, well, I mean, I have been on Mastodon for a very long time. Um, so before uh, before the cool kids thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's it's just another place where the same thing that I post uh, to micro.blog and Twitter also goes. Uh, so I, I cross post, I post uh, via micro.blog because it, it can just do all the things for me. Um, but uh, for me, mostly it's just about being wherever people are going to be. And there has been a huge movement of folks uh, from Twitter to Mastodon uh, over the last couple of weeks and, and month or so. So I, I personally feel it's pretty important to be there just because otherwise I'm going to be missing out on all the fun things. You know, people have been uh, tagging me and, and telling me about some cool stuff. So it's certainly been worth me being there. Yeah. You know, I just am not very good at engaging in these large social media platforms. I've never been very good at Twitter. I'm probably not going to be very good at Mastodon, but I'm there too. Um, uh, what, what, what's your address, Rose? Uh, I am Rosemary Orchard at snailedit.social because okay. uh, we're nailing it online slowly uh, and socially in this particular case, which is always good fun. Uh, where are you, David? Max Sparky at mastodon.social. So uh, we're, we're out there. 
and uh, checking mm-hmm. it out. I do like your idea, frankly, of just going in with all three of them, you know, and uh, yeah. setting up an automation. What is your backbone for your automation to post to all three at once? Micro.blog. Like yeah. I post to it and uh, it's actually, um, I, I'm, I have that uh, on my own domain name as well. Uh, so it's it's all mine, uh, which is one of the beautiful things about micro.blog. Manton's done a really yeah. good job setting that up. Um, and then that posts for me automatically to Twitter and uh, uh, Mastodon. So, oh, so that, the, that, that just does the things. The automation is on micro.blog. They do the, the yeah. cross post for you. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah I don't. You don't even need something like Make. Uh, even though I could do it using Make, uh, I don't need to. So I, I simplify. I use the right tool for the right job. Yeah, because uh, because because Manton is smart. Uh, the only downside yeah. of that is now you've got to go check three platforms when you post to see. Ah, see, this is uh, the trick because uh, you don't actually have to use Mastodon. Uh, Micro.blog actually uses ActivityPub. So people can just follow you on micro.blog with their Mastodon accounts, which means that the stuff will come back to micro.blog if they do that. Um, I am currently not doing that for a a number of different reasons, Um, but uh, I I had that set up at one point and that was pretty great. So I I personally think that micro.blog is a really good community to be part of as well. So Yeah, well, and I need to, I just need to kind of dive into what I'm going to be doing going forward. Um, uh, I've been using Twitter historically, but now I'm on Mastodon and I'm a big fan of Manton and uh, the stuff he's done. So I'm going to be looking into that. There's a future show there. Hang in there. We'll, we'll come back to this. Yeah. Uh, but either way, yeah. uh, getting yeah. back to uh, online automation at the beginning of the year, uh, we talked about things we wanted to pull off in 2022. We are very nearly at the end. And I don't know if you recall, one of mm-hmm. my big ones was I want to get better at online automation tools. And uh, the hang yep. up for me, Rose, is that the fact that uh, I don't use a lot of online services. Like I am not using the Google platform for calendars and, and email. And, you know, that historically a lot of these web-based automation tools really require you to be on Google to get the best features out of them. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not, yeah. you know, a lot of the stuff I do is local apps and I use local automation platforms, keyboard maestro shortcuts, Apple scripts, all that, all the stuff you can do locally in your computer. I kind of like that. Um, but I do have some exposure to the internet with some of my platforms. And I felt, I felt like yeah. at the beginning of the year, I needed to be doing better at that. And here we are in December and Rose, I, I haven't really done much, but I've been watching from the sidelines as you increasingly move your automation over to make. And I've been playing with make a little bit, uh, uh, for folks who are uh, not familiar, uh, you know, make it formerly known as Integromat, which is a terrible name. Well, can we agree to that, Integromat? What does that even mean? Well, I mean, Integromat, uh, it's one of those things, right? Pages, keynote, numbers, fabulous names, impossible to Google. Yeah. Integromat, not a great name, very easy to Google. Yes. Make Good name, bad to Google. Yes. So it's one of those things. I feel like, uh, you know, win some, lose some with this. Um, yeah. But you know what? Their their new website is purple. So they won me with with that uh, when, when they moved everything over, which, you know, I, I love purple. I mean, blue is pretty good, but I'm a sucker for purple, especially that nice purple gradient that they've got now. It's uh, it's it's definitely exactly my colors. Literally the color of my hair right now, actually, to be honest. Oh, man, that's good. I haven't seen a recent picture of you. I like that. Maybe I'll do that mm. one day. I'll just dye my hair purple in solidarity with my friend Rose. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got a little bit of teal in there as well right now, David, uh, because it's Christmas uh, and I'm going to a 1920s themed party and uh, peacock was a big thing in the 20s. Ah. So I decided that I was going to turn my hair into a sort of peacock instead. A flapper. Um, yeah, exactly. Like I've got I've got the dress and everything. I'm going to be dressing up tomorrow, actually, as we record this episode. So, uh, yeah, it should be uh, should be pretty uh, fun. But uh, in the meantime, uh, we both get to use make, which it has purples like my hair. So, you know, that's And you can type make.com. So uh, the Google search thing is, is solved with the URL. Well, yeah, it's just if you're looking for more examples than they have on their website. But, you know, they've got plenty of those. All right. So, so both of us have been looking at make. You've been diving deeper than I have. And I am feeling mm-hmm. the pressure of my promise at the beginning of the year to get better at this over the year. I am just down to a couple of weeks now. And uh, yep. so this really, this episode is a call for help, really, more than anything else. It's, it's me trying to, to live up to my word. And I know you've been doing a lot of it. So let's just start talking about make. You know, um, mm-hmm. we've had fun talking about the name, but. Uh, what is it that makes this online automation tool unique? Well, I mean, to start with, let, let's just have a, a quick look at what online automation tools do, because, uh, you know, you can use services like, say, if this and that uh, to turn on your hue lights at sunset or something like that. The problem with that is then you are relying on the Internet being up to be able to talk to your lights uh, and it knowing correctly when sunset is. And, uh, you know, some sometimes you know, the internets and time zones are difficult. Um, so, you know, that's one sort of way that you could use online tools. But where online automation tools really excel is something like, hey, this email came in and I need, like, this, this entry to be created in this database for me. Um, or... Oh, right. Hey, the the data for the next Automators episode is there. I'm just going to create the Google Doc for you right now um, because then you and I don't have to go, hey, did you make a Google Doc? Yeah, where is it? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I thought I made it. Uh, you know, it we, it just happens and it's there, which is great. Um, so, you know, it it's, it's really good for connecting any of those services which are already online or also, you know, it can be for connecting things which are on your Mac to you know, the wider internet, you can easily have Keyboard Maestro ping a webhook URL and then it, uh, make, um, or if this and that or Zapier, can then pick that up and go off and just do the rest of it for you because you don't necessarily need to do that all on your device. And when it's, you know, taking thing from internet service A and putting it in internet service B, getting your Mac involved or your iOS device is actually a pretty fast way to slow things down because then that device has to be there sitting there waiting for, you know, the thing to happen. And if it isn't there, what's going to happen? Is it going to get dropped on the floor? So that's, you know, that's where the the ways that online automation really excels uh, for this sort of thing. So, you know, I found that the ways that make is different has, uh, you know, certainly helped me with this. So um, I I should note that, um, you know, when I first started with make, if this and that at that time supported uh, one step actions. So if this, then that. There was no and after the that. Um, and uh, Zapier, uh, which I believe is uh, still the case, uh, charges a uh, higher tier plan if you would like branching available. Um, and for me, uh, branching, which is the ability to get to a certain point in your workflow and then go, okay, and now if this thing go and do that, and if that thing go and do that thing, is uh, really, you know, like the key point uh, where I need to, I, I need that in a lot of flows. Um, and it's just not something that you can get 
at least at that time for me, it, it wasn't affordable to me. I couldn't justify the price of paying, I believe it was $50 a month for Zapier when I was on the $20 a month plan. Uh, and I've just double checked. Uh, it is still uh, a higher tier plan if you need branching, um, which is a bit of a shame. Um, so uh, Make just includes that straight up. But the most most important thing for me is it's visual. Okay, so the you know if this and that and Zapier are both there is a thing at the top, and then there is an arrow taking you to the next thing, and then there is an arrow taking you to the next thing, and they're all squares. Make is first of all cute little circles with the icon of whatever service in it is in there that you're using. So if it's um, Discord, it's got a little Discord thingy. I don't know what that that it's like an animal ish monstery cute thing. Either way, it's cute. If it's if it's Google Sheets, it'll be green with a like spreadsheet icon in it. Um, if it's uh, Twitter, it'll be blue with a bird. Uh, you know, you get the idea. Um, and so you have those and you've got your dots linking them together. But then when there's branches, like you get multiple dots coming out and you can add filters on every single one of those connections if you want to. And just, you know, really, you know, I, I find the fact that like you've just got this little dot and you click on it and then you you get like a full form with all of the the information that you could possibly want to enter like to start with and then you've got the extended form which has got literally every field in that you might need a very nice way to automate things just because it looks a little bit pretty but it's also just so nice and visual and when you've got branching it's it's very easy to understand what's going where and as you watch like if you run the the actual scenario which is what um make calls you know your individual automations you see each circle pulse um, as it goes, like there's a, a ring that goes around the circle that fills as it does its action and then it passes it to the next one and the next one and the next one. Um, and I just find that to be a really nice effect, which is actually very useful so I can see where something's getting bogged down or stuck. Yeah, it's very user friendly. I mean, that's my my general impression. And they've got a very healthy set of connected services. You know, um, uh, One of the things that stood out to me in my experimentation with it is the easy way in which it displays the available actions. You know, like, um, for instance, I use Teachable as the back end for the Max Sparky Labs. I connected it to Make, and there's a whole host of options I've got there. You know, like I can search student databases. I can deal with student, like, uh, requests. And um, this is a, a nice form of automation for me in the sense that normally I'd have to go to the website, log in, do all this nonsense. And uh, to the extent I can, like, automate this through Make, then it starts, you know, earning its keep on my on my computer or on the web. Uh, as with yeah. all web services, it's nice because it's running on the web behind the scenes. It doesn't require your Mac to be turned on. It's something that just happens, you know. But as yeah. with all web services, it needs to be connected to web services. Uh, if you've got local data on your computer, these generally don't do very good. Like if I wanted to to do something with OmniFocus. Uh, I don't think it's going to be very good for it. And as I say those words, I'm thinking Rose is going to now tell me how she runs OmniFocus with it. But I mean, I have two ways of doing it. First of all, mail drop, uh, yeah. because you can just email things to get them into OmniFocus. But second of all, uh, for anything that's local, at least on an iPhone, uh, I just use my Pushcart automation server. Uh, yeah. uh, I should note that I, I'm part of the team who's helping develop and, and maintain Pushcut right now. Um, but, um, you know, I use Pushcut automation server as a bridge because I have, an, I have a couple of services like that. You know, I have OmniFocus. Um, I want to get things into drafts. Um, I use GoodLinks uh, for my Read It Later service. And these don't have, you know, a, a web service that you can connect to with just an API that you can fire data at. Um, you know, they're partially able to do some of this stuff but 
for me, it's just easier to just, hey, I'll just call my Pushcut server, which, by the way, does have uh, integration. And uh, then off you go. That, that it, it just handles it for you because, you know, I've already got a shortcut. I'll take advantage of that and just, you know, add, add, use that instead. So that that's how I uh, work around that. And honestly, I think that is the trick, right? Getting to know the the pluses and minuses of these services and, and choosing the right weapon, you know, uh, or maybe the rather than weapon, let's say tool, you know, we are all wearing automation tool belts. We've got little screwdrivers like text expander and we've got big drills like keyboard maestro. And I feel like this is just, you know, one more tool that you can bring to the game and, uh, it will make sense in some cases and not sense in others. Like, uh, one of the things I'm working on, we'll get into in a minute is, um, uh, adding Slack messages when I create new Airtable entries. You know, that's something that this is perfect for because, you know, they're both web services. They both have hooks into the service and you're good to go. Um, one of the things I've, I've noted is that it does not have a connection to day one. And I feel like, I don't know what the story is with day one. Like they got great hooks into to IFTTT or if this, then that, but they've mm-hmm. been like silent on all the other, platforms and i don't know what the deal is there but uh, i love those automations when i put a new blog post up at max sparky it gets added to a specific journal on day one and there's a couple other things i do and uh it's just a great automation for me to pull something off the web and and put it in a book uh but you Mm -hmm. know uh otherwise it's it's pretty inclusive the list is pretty good yeah and i should say like uh, for something like for example mastodon which doesn't have an integration yet because the way that these integrations get made to be clear whether this is zapier if this is not or make uh is not that the, the zapier developers go out there and they make a thing uh which they may do for some really big platforms like say wordpress um but they're not going to do for a smaller service such as pushcut but the way that those come into being is that um you know the the developer of that service has to go and make that integration. Yeah. Um, and of course, these three things uh, from personal experience do not work in the same way. Um, some, uh, you know, Zapier and Make are much easier. They can just connect to, uh, sorry, if this and that um, and and and, and uh, Make are easier, they can just sort of connect to your usual API. Um, but um, if this and that does require a little more massaging and uh, Zapier requires you to create like a whole little special thing uh, for them, um, which fortunately for me is in JavaScript, but uh, I can imagine that for some developers, this might be a tricky thing to do. And in some cases, it's just straight up not possible. Like, I don't think you are going to see uh, a drafts integration with um, Make, If This and That, or Zapier ever, because Agile Tortoise is using uh, your CloudKit data and it's in your personal store and getting that into a way in in a state that you can just sort of like read that data out and add things to it and so on. Uh, I've personally tried using those CloudKit libraries uh, for to try and get that data out. So not easy or fun. And if the if you don't have a lot of users who are going to want or need this, then it, it's not going to be easy to do. So uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure why uh, Day One hasn't added support for uh, Zapier or um, a Make. Uh, maybe they will after the show. Maybe they're listening and they're going, oh, cool. Didn't realize people were using Make. Let's take a look at that. As you said, right? You've got a tool out of tools. You've got to you pick the right one for the right job. If you want uh, day one as part of your your uh, uh, automations, then you're going to have to use, at least in part, if this and that. Um, but you can always, you know, have a, a webhook from Make or Zapier 
over to if this and that that then takes whatever is given and creates a day one entry for you. So, you know, there there's certainly possibilities there. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best artists, icons, and leaders anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. With over 150 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing that you've always wanted to know how to do is closer than you think. You can learn the art of negotiating from Chris Voss, learn cooking from Gordon Ramsay, learn creative writing from Margaret Atwood, or learn business strategy with Bob Iger. Personally, I've been working my way through a couple of different classes, including a particular one on music composition from Hans Zimmer. And you know what? I've always loved music. The fact that I, you know, studied piano for several years at school uh, certainly contributed to that. But it's just really interesting learning about how somebody goes through the process of creating a score, such as Pirates of the Caribbean. And you know what? I just really enjoy learning about that sort of thing. And it really enhances my enjoyment of the film. And what I love about Masterclass is that I can learn anything, whether it's professional or personal, and it's going to be something that makes me happy and I can go at my own pace. Masterclass gives you cinema quality classes that offer unparalleled access to a host of renowned instructors. You can explore lessons in any order you'd like, across your phone, tablet, Apple TV, computer, and on the go with audio mode. And lessons are approximately 10 to 15 minutes, which makes it easy to fit into your everyday life. So whether you want to learn how to make a dinner worthy of a Michelin star or just how to make really good scrambled eggs, whatever you're interested in, there's a class for you. With over 180 exclusive classes taught by the instructors you know and love. I highly recommend you check it out. This holiday, give the perfect gift of an annual Masterclass membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash automators today. That's masterclass.com slash automators. Terms apply. Our thanks to Masterclass for their support of this show and all of Really FM. Rose, so to get started uh, with Make, uh, you know, you set up an account, you go to make.com. It's not difficult. Mm-hmm. Historically, I told you when I was like first exploring this, one of the things that was confusing to me is that like growing up with If This Then That, they've got a page on their website that says, hey, here's all the services that we support. Go through and pick the ones you want. And I kind of liked that in the sense that I could you know, just create all the connections I wanted, like connect me to my Dropbox and connect me to whatever. And then you got a page with all those and it starts giving you saying, well, you have Dropbox and you have email. Would you like to save your attachments to Dropbox? You know, that kind of thing. And um, uh, with Make, it's not quite as obvious to me. Um, The way you do it there is Mm -hmm. you create a new uh, automation or you go to one of the template ones and then you add mm-hmm. the services there. But I'll tell you, that was an initial stumbling point for me. Yeah. I mean, I personally feel that this is actually uh, better in many ways because you then only add services as you need them. Uh, so you're not going around and connecting, uh, I don't know, say, for example, your your uh, email account yeah. to um, a service and then you never use it, but it's got full access to your email uh, inbox and outbox and it can receive and send any messages yeah. at any time, even though you've you've not set up anything. I feel like it's it's better to to do it at the point of need, though. I can see why it might be confusing um, to to somebody. Uh, so, yeah, as, as you're saying, you know, you create a scenario in, in Make and then you go through... Uh, the first block that you add when when you create a new scenario is going to be your trigger block. And you can only have one trigger uh, for each uh, automation. But then after you've created your trigger, which when you click on it gives you, uh, well, it starts by listing all the applications. Okay. And it does this in alphabetical order with numbers first. And there are a lot 
Uh, like at the top of my screen, I've got 10 to 8. And then at the bottom, I've got Adobe Commerce, which is partly cut off. And then like you can you can keep scrolling for a very long time after that. Fortunately, there is a search. So you can't like, you know, type in, for example, if you're looking for WordPress, then you can start by just typing in W-O-R-D and C. And I mean, you'll still find there's a lot of other things that come up before WordPress, including Microsoft Word templates. But y- you'll find the service that you're looking for. And then once you've got your service, then you get different actions. Um, and different things uh, will, you know, show up depending on what you're doing. Um, so, for example, the watching posts being created um, is something that you can only have as a trigger. Um, but you can also use uh, create a comment uh, on the WordPress theme as your trigger. Um, and then you'll get like a little clock icon up here. Um, and then you'll see that this is set to run at regular intervals and, for example, every 15 minutes or something. So you probably don't want to create a comment every 15 minutes, but then you just right click on your module and delete it. And then you go ahead and look for some for whatever it is that you actually do want to do. I find a lot of my things start uh, with our Airtable. Um, and uh, one of the big differences for me with Make and uh, Zapier is uh, uh, Make can run on the same Airtable record multiple times. So the way that Zapier uh, avoids you ending up in an infinite loop is they say, okay, we're going to store the ID of the Airtable record that we are like watching. Um, But they store that globally in your account for all of your automations. So I can't have this Airtable record appearing in this view trigger automation A, and then the same Airtable record moving from uh, view A to view B trigger automation B, because that like it, it ran automation A and that's it in, Zap, in Zapier terms. Yeah. You know, that's the end of it. Um, but Make says, okay, it's up to you to uh, figure out a way to make sure that you don't make this run forever in an infinite loop. Please do that. That's your job. You have a certain number of actions every month. Once you use them, you're done or you pay more money. Um, so, you know, it's up to you to get it right. And I, I kind of feel like I prefer that approach possibly because I'm good at avoiding infinite loops though asterisk I have done I have done that several times where I've accidentally made an automation that runs itself again you I'm sure you've done that at some point with Hazel David where you've created something that moves it moves a file from one folder to the other and then it moves it back and then you've just got this file endlessly moving between these two folders um because you've you've accidentally set up a mini infinite loop but yeah so you can you know I I often use um a watch records action as my trigger in uh in 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 Zapier and then I you know I select my base um, in Airtable, um, and then you select which table it's going to be. So uh, just looking at the the automator's show notes creation, uh, it would be the show planning table. Um, and then you can select your view that you want uh, something to appear in. So uh, that would be the create ads, uh, uh, create uh, outline, sorry, uh, option. Um, and then, yeah, and then you uh, start with uh, creating the rest of it, um, which, you know, personally, I think is uh, just a, a really simple uh and easy way to get started you know i've got this lovely little uh icon here that shows me watch Airtable, um and i can change how often it's going to go and look because it's watching in the sense that it's going and looking for a change in this case there are other kinds of things such as um uh you know uh email uh if it receives an email to a mail drop then it's it's just going to run right um but uh something like going and checking to see if there are um, a list of uh, entries in a database somewhere in a particular query uh, that is going to, it's just going to go and do that every X number of minutes or hours that you tell it to do, uh, which is quite nice because you just see that with a little clock icon and then you just 
add your next module, a little bubble pops out and you click plus and on you go with whatever it is that you might want to or need to do. Yeah. And and that's what I would suggest like for getting started is take a look at the, cause they have, they call them scenarios, but that's your automations, you know, where you can say, basically, if, you know, you get this message, go to this Google doc or something like that. Um, and then they also have uh, templates uh, and they have a template button there with a bunch of cool ideas. Like uh, if you want to send the weather to your email, or if you want to create cool Google calendar events from your Trello cards, like there's a whole bunch of good ideas there that you may fit into something you're already doing. Uh, so what I've been doing is going through the templates and setting a couple of those up. And, but then very quickly you start to say, Oh yeah, I like the idea of getting the weather, but rather than send it to an email, I'd rather, you know, text message it to myself. And, you know, once you get the template established, it really isn't that hard. And I agree totally with Rose that the, uh, that the user friendly nature of make is something to be admired. I mean, it's very easy to see not only how do you add new components to these automations, but what are your available commands from within them? And, um, yes. there's quite a few, um, but it's very obvious what is there and isn't there. Like, I'm, I'm really curious about using this for some of the teachable management functions. And I love the way it gives me a very specific list of what I can do and not do. And that, that just opens up, you know, my brain to ideas about, okay, well, these are the problems I could solve with this, but maybe there's this other thing that's just not an option at this point. And for now, I'm going to have to do that some other way. Yeah, um, I feel like I should also mention uh, to folks that there are a couple of options uh, on scenarios um, that I uh, that you can look at, and they're right at the bottom. I'm actually going to start on the right-hand side, not the left-hand side, and there's a good reason for this. Um, so on the right-hand side, you've got favorites, and those are the um, services that you have used in uh, this scenario or that you've added a module from, and then maybe you've removed a module. So if I was creating a new scenario, um, like I've just been playing uh, with uh, an empty one here because I've I've got the automators one open in, in one window and I've got a blank one here. Because I added a WordPress action, I have the WordPress service at the bottom and I have the Airtable service. Once I save this automation and leave it and then come back, the WordPress one won't be there because I don't have a WordPress module. So it'll clean that up but it'll wait until like you're done with it in case you you started by going, right, I want to trigger this when WordPress does this thing. Oh, actually, no, I want to trigger it when this thing happens and then use the WordPress action. It doesn't remove it. So you can just click on any of those um, and it, it will show you the actions for that service, um, which is good if you've, you've got that service built in uh, or you're using that already. You know, you might want to do more than one thing with Teachable at the same time. It's, it's nice to be able to do that. When you add one of those actions, it just sort of adds it as a free floating thing. And then you, you can just draw, uh, you you know, you grab uh, the toggle on on one of the sides and you, you drag it to uh, another module and it connects those. Um, so you get little dots between things to connect it all up. So left of, of your favorites, you then got tools, which has things like flow control. So you can say like, okay, I want to uh, repeat three times or I'm getting, you know, a series of records uh, out of this and I want to iterate over each of those. Or I want to take a list of things I've been given and put them together. Or uh, And the one that I end up using a lot is the router, which is basically you're branching, you're splitting, you're going, okay, if this happens, I want to do this. If that happens, I want to do that. And if the other thing happens, I want to do the other thing. Um, there's also uh, rolling back, pausing, breaking, um, and, and so on. Um, but it's also got some other tools in there, like uh, sleeping for a little bit. So wait 15 minutes before you do the next bit. 
setting and getting variables. Um, and then one of my favorites, the text parser, uh, because uh, I, I I use this to, uh, um, you know, parse out some emails that I get so that I get tasks in OmniFocus to remind me about the Amazon returns that I've set up. Um, because otherwise I might forget to package up the parcel before the delivery person or the collection person comes to get it. And that wouldn't be good. Uh, but if uh, Make can actually handle that for me. Um, so it's got those tools, which is just great. And then uh, I should note that also it's got a magic wand for automatically aligning your modules, tidying things up. And then it's got an explain flow, which will actually show you like little dots. Okay, what happens here? And then bounce, 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 which is just really cute and pretty, but also very, very practical. Okay, so that was a lot. Um, I want to go over yes. those, but I want to do that in context of some of your more advanced automations you built with it. So mm-hmm. rather than talking yeah. about those in the abstract, we're going to get back to that. In the meantime, yes. uh, I've got a question for you. Um, help me build one, and let's just talk through it. Uh, and this is a basic cool. one. Um, so just to give you a little background, I have an air table that I share with the people on my team. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of the project status air table where we've got, you know, when I've made a video for the labs or written a newsletter or anything that's going to get published out of the Max Sparky verse, uh, you know, sometimes I have people proofread it or, or do a, you know, check the audio or whatever. So I've got this little air table I create. And what I'd like to do, we also have a Slack we share for the team, is I'd like to say when I add a new entry, you know, that meets certain qualifications that it will create a Slack thread on a certain Slack channel uh, saying, oh, here's mm-hmm. the thing. And then that way we've cool. got a unified thread we can use. Uh, and then I don't have to go and manually do it every time. Uh, at least that's a yeah. thought I had. So, uh, yeah. So going to make uh, what I've done is I've connected two services, Slack and Airtable, which is easy enough to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And I did not find a template for something like this, obviously. So I went to the scenarios page and just hit the plus button. All right. So uh, you could run this either way. We could say, well, when I make yeah, a Slack, I'm- when I make a Slack entry, create the Airtable, or when I create the Airtable to the Slack. In my mind, I think I would start with the Airtable and then have it yeah. automatically create the Slack. Yes. Um, one thing I'm, I'm going to pause you on a moment yeah. is in Airtable, you are going to need to create a new column. You can have this hidden in all of your views, yeah. but you're going to need a created time yeah. um, in in your Airtable. Because when you when you use Airtable to trigger um, your your automations, um, like and you're just looking for all of the new records, yeah. it actually needs something to be able to identify that as, um, you know, new um, so uh, you'll need to create that. Now, fortunately, Airtable actually has a template um, so that you can uh, look, so you can just uh, have that in automatically as a formula. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm just double checking what that is, but just make sure that you have one of those folks uh, if you're if you're looking for that, um, because uh, y- you can just insert that formula um, and be aware of the races. Uh, I believe it's uh, just created um, with brackets afterwards um created in in all caps um but uh i will get a link to that so that folks uh can see that in the show notes so so i've added a column they've got a create time column oh perfect then that's 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 even easier when i first looked at that they didn't have that but i was using it for some other things anyway so that's what you will be using so your your trigger in make will use the watch records uh action from airtable um, and then you select your base, select your table, and then your trigger field is going to be that created field that you've just created. Yeah. Um, because we need 
use the word created about a million times in this. Um, and uh, yeah, and then you you can just uh, select uh, the the label field as well. Uh, and then from there, you can continue onwards um, with, uh, you know, the the next action. So once you have your module, you can click on the plus and then uh, you can select from, in your case, it'll be Airtable and Slack showing up. Or instead, you could just click at the bottom on Slack and and look for the, the option and then uh, go from there. I've clicked on just a little plus next to um, uh, the... Uh, air- uh, Airtable uh, action, and uh, I'm just adding Slack because I don't actually have Slack set up because I'm oddly enough not using that for any of my uh, automations. So I do have one on my list to create, uh, but there should be a simple uh, post chat message sim- one there, which will then do exactly what you need. Okay, so I've got the um, the connection. It's looking at the Airtable. I've picked the specific base, and then underneath that, it's uh, under the trigger. It's looking for a table and the trigger configuration. Uh, so I would pick project or the current. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would add the trigger field being the created time um, that it allows it to sort the records and figure out what to, what to work with. Mm-hmm. But then it asks for a label field. What is a label field? Uh, so whenever you've got something like that, um, there is a little light bulb underneath, uh, which explains it. So it says a field that will be used as a label for the record. So you're looking in this case, um, uh, for whatever the, um, name of the thing is, um, if, as, as your name field. So in the automators base, we have a special name field, which takes the episode number, um, and it takes, uh, the title and it also takes the guest name. Uh, if we have a guest on the episode, and it, it's a formula and sticks all three of those together. But um, y- so it's whatever you want the name of your your uh, your your Airtable records to be when you when you take it over to that. And then you take that, and then so then you can take that data and you can connect Slack. Do I, so I guess at that point yes. I have everything I need for the trigger. Right, we're looking at Airtable based on the created date. Yeah, exactly. And so then you need Slack. Um, so you can just take. Um, uh, open uh, the Slack uh, service and then the the action that you're looking for is create a public channel message probably. Uh, depends on how you have Slack configured Yeah. Um, as to uh, if it's public or private but it's probably going to be public in most cases. Um, and uh, yeah, and then you should be able to uh, hook this all up uh, to select the data in the fields. I am just attempting to connect uh, Slack because I don't actually have uh, Slack uh, set up here. Really, I, I, I would think you would had uh, use, been using Slack with Make. It seems like so obvious. No, because I I don't have any Slacks uh, that I personally uh, need to uh, publish to. Okay. Um, and uh, the the Slack in, uh, the Slack service that I wanted to use as a test, uh, unfortunately, uh, can't actually uh, have any more integrations. So I I uh, need to look for a different one. Okay. But, but I, I can just kind of walk you through that part because I've got to connect on my end. So then you pick a channel, and it can be private or a public channel. It doesn't have to be public. And then you can write text in that, you know, it's like, hey, I've added a new project. And then you can insert tokens from the data yes, it pulled exactly. out of the Airtable and just post it up. And, um, exactly. you know, it's it's great. And they, you can go further. They have like a an option called blocks. that You can make it an interactive message and, you can do more with it if you want, but for my purposes, I just want a basic way to to send a message to Slack when I create a new record, 
And the thing that I was missing, Rose, was the create time. That's what was messing me up. I didn't know that was something yeah. I needed. All right. Well, I'm making progress. Yeah, exactly. But once you've got those tokens, it's really, uh, I, I say I say easy, but it's it's very simple. You you simply right click into any field and then, and then you should just be able to add uh, those those tokens in and tokens um, are they, they start with coming from a particular action step. Uh, but you then have all of the different elements inside of that. So in David's case, he has uh, an Airtable um, section in his tokens list, and then he's got all of the different uh, elements of that Airtable record um, so that he can you know, take any or all of those um, and uh, just put them in together in a way that makes sense. Um, so that, you know, you can actually use those, um, because this is one of the things where, you know, it's, it's very difficult if you don't know what you're looking for. Um, so I'm using the Airtable space so I can take, uh, the title, um, or I could take the episode number or, um, the created time or the show outline, um, or the show outline ID, um, for example, or the notes or whatever it is I wanted and put all of those bits together and put them into the different fields. And you, you just click into it and it gives you, all of those options um, as just something, and you can even search. So if you've got lots of things, you know, maybe you've had five or six actions leading you to this point, but you're like, no, no, no. I know that this, it's it's the show outline that I'm looking for. So you type in show outline and it'll find all of the actions um, that you've got um, and then show you the show outline, you know, variable from those. Um, but as well as those tokens, there's also some other ones that you can get. So you can, um, you know, you've got little functions um, in there. You've got some math stuff if you want it. Uh, you've got some some text and binary things, so you can get the length of a piece of text or capitalize something, dates and times with timestamps, all sorts of things. So, you know, there's there's more to to that little thing that pops up than meets the eye to start with. Uh, but it is, uh, you know, it's, it starts with when you click in a field, if you've got data that you can put in that field from something that already exists, it's going to show it to you, which I personally think is a great default. Okay, another thing I really like about Make is the trigger frequency. And Rose mentioned this earlier, mm-hmm. but when you set up something with Make, um, it it gives you a certain number of runs. You know, like the free mm-hmm. account is a thousand. I think the nine dollar a month count is ten thousand. Um, I don't have it in front of me right now, but you, you've got a number of times that it can go off to the internet and try and do something for you. And that's the trick of the service is making sure you don't run more than you need to because you want to save those and it can allow you to save money you know if you don't do it the default is that it runs at at least in my experience so far has been it's been a 15 minute interval yeah uh, is the default that i've always experienced i don't know if that's true with all the triggers but it's been with most of the ones i've been working with yeah so so that'll be true with any of the triggers that are going out and looking for data like the Airtable one the ones that fetch data will just run whenever they receive receive a call so like a webhook will just run when it yeah. gets hit it won't be every 15 minutes Yeah and maybe that's something I could incorporate here like I could automate through shortcuts or or keyboard mice or something to to run a webhook when I set up a new project and then it could go hit the air table for me and just create the link at that point. Is that sound crazy? Am I, uh, or am I on this? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can do all sorts of things like that. And honestly, a lot of my automations do start with, you know, go look at Airtable for this stuff. Um, but to, to mention your scheduling thing, you've also got advanced scheduling. Um, and I have a number of automations for iOS today, which are pretty darn intensive. Um, so with the exception of handling feedback, 
those run on Tuesdays. Um, and they run on Tuesdays from like 9 a.m. to, to uh, 5 p.m. because 5 p.m. my time is usually when we record uh, iOS Today. Uh, and that's it because they, they just won't run the rest of the time. And I found that that is a really nice way to just limit the number of times it's going and checking for things because otherwise it's checking for things like six days a week when it probably doesn't need to. It can just go and look at the stuff that's happened in the last six days when it goes out to fetch this data. So you can really limit stuff. So if you need things to only run in the month of February, you can actually say, okay, I, I want this only to run in February. And that's it. And it, it'll do it just in February, um, which, you know, I personally think is great. It's certainly much easier than remembering to go in and, and turn on an automation at, say, the beginning of December for the holidays and then turning it off at the beginning of January. No, you can just take the December box and be done with it. Hey, uh, here's a dumb question. If I want to, so on this one that I set with the Airtable and Slack, I, I set it on a timing hook, but I said earlier, a webhook might be the way to do this. How do you add a second trigger or an optional trigger? So you don't have more than one trigger for an automation yeah. or a scenario in in uh, in Make. Okay. Uh, and it's the same in If This and That and Zapier. So where I do want multiple triggers for something, what I will do is I will make the bulk of my automation a thing that gets triggered by a webhook. Um, and then I will make all of my triggers run and then trigger that webhook. Gotcha. So then I might have two or three different automations which all ping the same webhook, which is inside of Make, to be clear. It's calling a, a different Make scenario. And then that just runs whatever it is that it needs to run with that information. And this is really useful for things like, for example, um, all of my things that I star in RSS get sent to good links. Um, but some of them, if they're for iOS today, uh, will also get saved into the iOS Today Airtable for me so that I can just copy and paste those over to the show notes later. Um, but, um, you know, uh, Good Links is using my Pushcut Automation Server. So I just have one uh, webhook to Pushcut Automation Server for Good Links. And then uh, I can use that inside of any make scenario that I need uh, to, to, to use that. So I've kind of made my own sort of mini service uh, there to do that with, which is quite nice. Um, but you know, you can you can do whatever it is that you might want or need using that sort of approach. Yeah, and, and if you wanted to use a webhook as a trigger, I guess you would just make a separate um, scenario and then or duplicate and insert a new trigger as a webhook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for anything where I I want to just call that webhook directly, I actually just do. So uh, I have one. Um, or I have two uh, automations which check different RSS feed accounts, um, and then they they both uh, feed into one webhook. But I also, uh, from shortcuts, call that webhook directly with the same sort of data. So I actually have three triggers for that. Two of them are in Make. One of them's on my phone with with shortcuts. Um, so you know you can you can just call any webhook as your trigger. And the webhooks trigger also, by the way, David, a little secret for you. Uh, it also has mail. Um, as a hook. So you can have sending email to a specific make email address as your trigger. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Go to linkedin.com slash automators and post a job for free. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Every time I've wanted to hire someone, I want to get someone with the right skills, but I also want to get somebody with that growth mindset that's going to bring energy to your team and not suck the energy out of it. 
Well, you can do that with LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can have a job post up and running within minutes. It's really that easy. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview, hire, and board. This means you can finish the year strong with the right team member on board. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash automators, A-U-T-O-M-A-T-O-R-S. That's linkedin.com slash automators to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. All right, Rose, you've been teasing us with all your advanced knowledge of Make.com. Let's hear the results. Uh, sh- share some of your favorite makes with us or scenarios, I guess we would call it. Um, so, I, I mean, I've picked out like four that I think are probably going to be the most, uh, or sorry, uh, yeah, four that I think are probably going to be the most interesting ones to, to folks here. Um, so saving all of my start RSS items for use later. Um, which goes into good links, um, adding Amazon returns into OmniFocus, creating our automated show notes, because of course that's, that's automated, um, and handling iOS Today feedback um, that comes in via email. And I should note that any folks who send us feedback with, on iOS Today, uh, so that's uh, the podcast that Micah and I uh, host on Twitter, um, they have the option of sending us the pet text, which is uh, the text that you are uh, politely requested if you have a pet and are willing to to pay when you send us feedback. So you, you send us a cute picture of your cat, your dog, your snake, um, hamsters, um, whatever pet you may have. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll feature it on the show when we include your feedback. Um, and so when folks include the the pet tax, I also need to handle attachments and I need to handle them in a way that I can share them publicly with, um, you know, the folks over at Twit. Um, so that they get them, but also in a way that means that they get deleted pretty soon after that so that, you know, we don't have people's, you know, pictures saved onto a service uh, that's not inside of their control because, you know, I don't want to have data hanging sure. around unnecessarily. So, yeah, uh, there's there's some pretty complicated ones there. And then there's some simpler ones. Um, and they're all pretty good. So I don't know which one you want to start with, David. Do you want to start with the most complicated one? Do you want to start with an easier one? Take your pick. Now let's start at the top and work our way down. Um, so the um, so RSS items saved to Goodlinks, and I guess we should explain what Goodlinks yeah. is. I mean, it's a it's an app yeah. that allows you to store links. I mean, good, but only yeah. good links. Yes. <laughs> Anything yeah, else yeah. I need so to say? Just, about that just like, I mean, it's it's like Pocket um, or uh, Instagram, uh, Instagram, Instapaper, not Instagram. Instapaper, it's like Pocket yeah. or Instapaper uh, for folks who have uh, yeah. used uh, those services before. Um, it's a it's a one time purchase that runs. Uh, it's it's just on your your phone, uh, iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Uh, it doesn't have a web uh, service, and uh, because of that, um, you know, I have to integrate with it through Pushka. Um, so I have a little thing that will, uh, or I have a little, uh, make scenario that when I, I ping it, it will allow me to save stuff to good links, uh, from any of my scenarios. Um, because that, that is then something that I can reuse across multiple things. I could reuse, um, just like, you know, copy and paste the same, uh, data from, uh, the push cut, um, automation that I have, uh, there, but I, I decided that I was just going to call, um, a, um, a make 
scenario for that because then I have one point where if I decide that I want to change how that works, um, it's, it's easy to go in and change that in one place instead of changing it in multiple places. So yeah, so basically what what I have is I have um, I have two RSS accounts for various reasons, um, but primarily one is the thing that I use for professional and the other one is the one that I use for personal. Uh, I'm using air quotes as I speak, which you folks obviously can't see because you're, you're listening, but that the lines between personal and professional are very blurred for obvious reasons. I'm interested in what I do. Um, but um, basically the, the difference is, you know, I've got things like uh, the Home Assistant uh, GitHub releases uh, in my personal one because uh, those are something that I, I want to catch up on. But if I start that, that's not something that's going to appear on iOS Today or Automators. Yeah. Um, that's not something that I'm going to save into into our backlog um, for uh, things to look at. So um, I, I just split it up into simply two RSS accounts um, to, to handle that. So I have, uh, for this then, I actually have three scenarios because I have my personal RSS feed, I have my professional one, and then both of those feed into um, uh, another um, uh, make scenario at the end to save this data to good links. So I'll, I'll look at the the professional one just because that one uh, works, uh, it's got an extra step in it. So my watch RSS feed action, it has um, a time trigger on it. Um, and it runs, uh, I've got it set to every two hours and it pretty much just runs from like a 10 a.m. Uh, to sort of 8 p.m. because I tend to read my RSS feeds during those times. Um, and I just thought, you know, like, let's, let's save some of the executions here that I don't really need. Um, and then if it's in the professional one, um, basically what I do is I save this into a couple of different um, uh, Airtable bases. Um, so I save um, and I'll just, it, it's the same action, just with different Airtable bases uh, repeated twice. So it just saves the title and uh, the URL of the starred article um, into, uh, an, into an Airtable base so that I can use this later. And then it uses the HTTP action uh, to make a request, which is calling Da, 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 make. Um, and it just uh, uses a query string to pass the URL and the title. And it also passes um, the the date through, though I believe the date is not actually uh, being used anymore uh, in the next bit. Um, but then uh, the next one is uh, just where it gets passed over into uh, Pushcut. Um, and uh, then that gets saved off into uh, uh, good links. And that's it. It's It's simple, but it works. Um, and honestly, that is one of my favorite things about this. You know, I can just put something together and it will do exactly what I want or need it to do when I want or need it to do it. Um, and also because this is a time-based one and it, it pretty much only triggers between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. If, um, or sorry, 10 a.m. and 8 p.m. is what I said. If I wanted to run it at two o'clock in the morning, um, I can just open the scenario on make and click the run once button and it will just run it then. And it will go off and look for new RSS start entries and and fetch them at that point in time. Um, so you know it's not that it can't run between outside of the hours that I've got it limited to. It's just that it it won't unless I tell it to. Yeah, and the way I do that is more manual. I save articles to Instant Paper, and I have various folders that I put them in for consideration for other uses. Folders are one dimensional though; they're not tagged, so sometimes that creates an issue. I guess I should look into that really. Um, mm. but, um, but that's an interesting solution. Uh, one part of it that I think I missed is, um, so 
it's looking for an RSS feed, but how are you getting articles you like into an RSS feed? What's the mechanism for that? So, uh, so I just star things in my RSS reader. Okay. Um, now, um, what happens is uh, I'm using Feedbin for my professional one. Yeah. Um, and so that has a special RSS feed for your starred items. So it's creating it for you. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So it will create an RSS feed for starred items. Um, now, the other service that I'm using, uh, which I set up because I'm a weird nerd geek uh, and wanted to try it out for myself, is Fresh RSS. Um, and that one also uh, gives me um, an RSS feed, uh, which has got a special token in it to, to get the private RSS feed with um, my start IDs. Uh, some services will actually just have the option to fetch start items um, from them. Um, but, uh, I certainly, I don't think I had, I don't think I, uh, found, uh, that when I was setting this up, but either way, you know, I'm just using, it's just an RSS feed that's been created by the service that I'm using. Okay. You could make an API call to find it from some services, I'm sure. But in the meantime, you know, I, 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 uh, just left it like that. I believe it was Feedly has, um, yeah, yeah. If you highlight an article, um, or you prioritize an article, then that can trigger your your RSS feed, uh, your your scenario to run. So in this scenario, Rose is generating an RSS feed through her service, and mm-hmm. then she's watching yeah. that. Uh, what I would say is if you're interested in cloud-based automation, RSS is one of the best triggers. Um, and oh, yeah. if you just want to collect, let's say there's a website that you always want to read in your read later service, um, and they don't offer a you know deliver straight to service, you can just have it watch the RSS and just automatically feed it into there. Um, there's just so many ways you can use RSS with this stuff. It is, uh, it's one of the like magic ways of unlocking this automation is the RSS feature. Yes, exactly. So, you know, David, you mentioned earlier that you save all of your blog posts over to day one. Well, I'm guessing you're probably using, um, RSS to do that. Um, and you know, and RSS is great because it works regardless of where your website is hosted or how your website is hosted. So if you're on Squarespace, WordPress, uh, Jekyll, whatever service you're using, you probably have an RSS feed. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's great for that. Now, the, the the thing I want to mention is if you change that to using a WordPress hook, um, which is triggered specifically by WordPress, so WordPress is going, hey, I have posted a new post. Yeah. Service, go do your thing. Uh, then it gets poked to go and do the thing instead of it going, hey, have you got anything for me? Hey, have you got yeah. anything for me? Um, and so, you know, if you had something that you wanted to be pretty much instantaneous when this thing happened, then you would want to look at using a different, uh, uh, you know, trigger for that. Yeah. But saving something into day one, I'm guessing, is not quite so time sensitive that you, you need it to happen immediately. So the RSS feed's just fine. Yeah, and that WordPress hook thing also allows you to reduce the number of calls. So, you know, that's always yeah. important with Make. And we were talking earlier in the show about social media. Let's say you've got a blog in WordPress you could use the WordPress uh, hook to grab the URL from the RSS feed and publish it to, you know, your micro.blog or Mastodon or Twitter or all the above. Mm -hmm. So there's just a a lot of nice integration once you start understanding how RSS works with this stuff. All right, now I'm going to go to the next one. Uh, Amazon returns to OmniFocus. The the thing I like about this is you're uh, attaching the web, but you're also going to a local app like OmniFocus. So You've already you've yeah. already told us a little bit about it, but I want to hear the the gory details of how you're pulling this off. 
All right. Well, I'm not going to go too far into the gory details because I don't think anybody's going to enjoy me triggering uh, reading uh, regular expressions out. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'll skip, skip the precise details. Yeah, right. um, but basically what happens is I have a rule in Fastmail, which is my mail provider, but you could use uh, any online service to do this, Gmail, whatever. Uh, if you don't have the ability to create mails uh, in your mail service, sorry, rules in your mail service, you could just use the rules built into the mail app. Uh, on your Mac, um, but uh, you may find that not everything gets triggered with that. Um, so I'm using that to forward um, emails. And I, so the the trigger inside of Make is a webhook, which is a mail hook specifically. Um, and I've created a special one for um, Amazon returns. And this has given me a beautiful blah, 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 at hook da, 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 make.com email address. Fortunately, there is a nice handy little copy address to clipboard function right there. So I can I can just copy that and then paste that into my fast mail um, uh, rule. And and that and that was, you know, that was the start. And then I need to go through. So I get Amazon returns sent over via the mail rule. And that deals with, you know, what is an Amazon return email for me very nicely. Now I have to get the data out of this. Okay, so what is it that I'm returning? Uh does it have a date that needs to be returned by or does it have a date that's going to be picked up by? So I am using, there is a really handy tool called the text parser. Okay, so it's the third option in the tools um, one. It's it's sort of a square bracket, dot, star, close square bracket. Um, and then there's um, some, some options with that. There's matching text, matching uh, patterns, um, and so on. So I'm using the match pattern option. Um, and first of all, is is looking for the instructions to figure out what service is being used to return this, um, and then if it's looking to see if there's a send by date, uh, and there should always be a send by date with these things, um, because uh, for example, if I'm having it picked up, then there's also you still have the option of going and dropping it off if, for example, the pickup doesn't happen or whatever. Um, it's looking uh, then at the return method, um, and then it's it's looking for uh, a particular URL. Um, now the URL is um, actually uh, the the Amazon like return label page um, because what it's doing um, is um, then actually like getting that page and uh, it's it's uh, just uh, saving that into the note and then what I've done here um, is it's an old school approach uh, but I'm using OmniFocus MailDrop and I am not using yeah. uh, task paper for this I'm using a feature called transport text. Um, which is old school OmniFocus automation. So what you do is you prefix your task name with dash dash. Um, and then there's a specific syntax that you can use. I'll get the link to the Omni automation site um, for that um, so that folks can can use this. Um, but this is something that can be parsed uh, by OmniFocus. And then this this gets automatically parsed by, I have a, a an Omni, Omni automation uh, script that, that goes through and it, it processes tasks in my inbox in general. And it looks for, uh, to start with, anything that's, you know, starting with dash dash as a transport text um, and, and processes those and then and then goes on to the other actions. So that means that that gets into my OmniFocus inbox pretty quickly um, and it'll get processed um, pretty soon after that um, just to, you know, get things uh, sorted out. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's basically going through and just looking for the bits of data that I need. Um, now, I think one of the keys that I used here is when I match the text, um, there is uh, there's two options when you're looking at an email Okay, that's been sent. You've got the HTML content, which is the pretty version that you and I see when we open, say, mail. 
but there's also the text, the plain text version of the email. I'm using the plain text version of the email here um, to, to parse because that is a lot easier to get the data out of than it is the HTML. Um, so uh, that that's one of the tricks that I will share with folks uh, if they are looking for uh, you know, uh, a way to, to parse email and they, they need to match some text in it, make sure to use the plain text body of the email rather than anything else. Yep. Yeah, formatting messes things up when you're trying to oh, process. Yeah. Uh, but that's Definitely. cool. And, and that OmniFocus service was there because there wasn't automation in the world, yeah. you know, and people like used to use like on a Windows computer and they'd have an iPad or an iPhone with OmniFocus on it. They would uh, I know because I was one of them, would send an email off to your magic address and see stuff appear in your OmniFocus, even though you were sitting on a Windows computer. I like that. Yes, exactly. Um, and, you know, I, I could um, quite easily call Pushka Automation Server and, and pass it the, the OmniFocus action that way. Um, and I actually do that for some other things, especially where I, it's not that I want to create one action in OmniFocus, but I want to create a whole template, um, like a project template or something like that. But in this particular case, I need to create one email. Uh, it's got a due date um, and it, it's got a, you know, um, a title and, you know, some tags and so on. And it's a very uh, simple uh, single action. Um, and honestly, MailDrop works perfectly for that because you put, you know, the bulk of the information into the title and then you've got your note in the notes section, which stays untouched. Um, and that's it. Um, simple. So it, it was... Uh, it's, it's it's really good that that option is still there. Um, I was just looking at last round like six days ago, uh, which I suspect was the Christmas present for my mother, which my grandmother and I uh, ordered. I ordered it on her behalf as I am the Christmas elf this year. And uh, then uh, we looked at it and went, hmm, no, we'll try a different one instead. It, it just looked really janky and horrible. Um, so uh, we, we've ordered a replacement for that. So uh, yeah, but it works. And all of these things appear in my OmniFocus inbox when they're supposed to. And, uh, you know, they get checked off and that's it. Done. Simple. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Electric. Turning a small business into an empire takes work and you have to keep your ear to the ground for things that will help you take it to the next level. But this can be really hard when your attention is being pulled in different directions, because that's the reality of being a boss. The team over Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Honestly, you need to know how to delegate what you don't need to be doing in order to focus on what you are doing. Because otherwise, that ear to the ground looking for all those problems in the IT department means that you've got things flying over your head that you, as the boss, should be looking for. And, you know, there are plenty of times when I would have loved something like electric. Yes, even when I was working as an IT department, because I had to set up and manage my own laptop, as well as all the other things. And it'd be great to just have something delivered that just works with everything that you need. So you should go check out electric if you are working as the IT department in your company, and you've got plenty of other things that you need to be doing too. So for automated listeners, electric are offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash automators. That's electric.ai slash automators. Go there now to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show. All right, so uh, let's move on, Rose. Uh, we've talked about Amazon Returns to OmniFocus. 
we have mentioned on the show, I don't think we've ever gone into the detail on it, but we are using Make as a back um, automation based on the creation of an Airtable. And then you've got a whole bunch mm. of stuff going on it with the uh, show prep for automators. Can you talk through that? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually just going to start by uh, sneakily sending you a screenshot of this one because I think you're going to like it, David, because it's one of those things that it sounds, you know, crazy. Like, okay, so they have Airtable and then that makes the show notes automatically. Like, it's not making all of the show notes for us, folks. Uh, we still have to go in and fill in, you know, the actual details. Yeah. But it means that we have a a show uh, file in uh in 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 Google Documents. Uh we're using Google Docs for this because it works so well, so easily with um, you know, automation, uh sharing, p- multiple people typing at the same time and also with guests. We can just give guests a link and the, we, they don't have to do anything particular, you know, everybody's seen a Google Doc before. So my main trigger for this is Airtable and it's searching for records and specifically it's searching for records in a particular view called create outline. Uh, and the create outline view um, is just a filter in Airtable, and it's looking for uh, shows um, which are upcoming, uh, which do not have uh, a Google Docs link set up in them. Um, because once I've created the Google Doc uh, here, I update the Airtable record with that Google Docs link, which conveniently moves the record out of the way. Um, so, so, you know, it's not going to run into that infinite loop. So it's going and looking for these things and it's, it's getting them, it sorts them by episode number because we tend to do planning calls where we'll think of a couple of episodes, um, and, and sort of sketch out a rough mental outline of what we're going to do. Um, and that prioritizes things from, you know, the, the, the next upcoming episode to the furthest away one as it does this. Um, so once, once Airtable, uh, has done this, uh, it goes through um, and it filters um, and it checks uh, to to look for um, the the host information because one of the things that we do at the start of the episode is I'll do an episode, David does an episode, I'll do an episode, David does an episode. So it alternates between us. Uh, so it needs to go in and check up, you know, who's doing what. Um, and then it uses the, the uh, Google Docs action to create a uh, Google Doc from a template. So there is an actual template file that lives in Google Docs. Um, and um, I, I've, I've selected this and it can then replace tags. And tags in this uh, the template have two opening curly brackets, name of the tag, two closing curly brackets. So anything that's wrapped in those can then be replaced with a variable. Um, and then these, I just take the information from the Airtable record that triggered this. So it will take the episode number the title, the recording date, the release date, the name of the host, uh, the name of the co-host for this, um, and um, then any notes that we might have made and sort of sketched out and thrown into Airtable. All right. So let let me just interrupt there for a second, because I just want to put an exclamation point next to Google document templates. I think this is one of the best things you can do with Make. If you routinely work in Google Docs and you set this stuff up, the templates are not that difficult. And templating it out with automation feels like a win. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And the the other part is, is basically what this is doing is it's doing find and replace. But because I have made the point of wrapping each of these things that I need to find and replace with these curly brackets, it gives this to me in one big action so that I'm creating this Google document. Um, and, and, you know, it just, it will look for each of these fields and replace all of them in one go. 
Um, instead, you know, there is a replace text action in the document, you know, and that that's a thing that you can do with Make. And that is great action. I'm using it in, in this automation even. But um, I say that, but it's not the thing to do if you need to input like 20 pieces of data when you create a document. What you want to do is you want to create, you know, you want to wrap those in curly brackets and have that in your create, um, you know, document from template action, because then you're, you're chucking all the data in at the start and then you can go off and do any refinements that you need after that. Um, and, you know, it, it, what's great as well is because this is make, I can even template the name of the Google Doc. So it's always going to be automators and then the episode number and then the title of the episode, which would include the guest name if we if we've got a guest on the episode. Um, and it's it's just so simple to do uh, once you've spent like five minutes going through and setting it up because David and I already had a Google Docs template, um, which uh, he, he very graciously spent some time formatting and making it actually look pretty. Um, and so it's just even better to be able to just use that as our template and have the data just magically appear. Yeah, and it lets you like pull the template no matter, you create the template separately so you can make it pretty. It's not going to be like an ugly yeah. templated doc. It's going to be as nice as you're willing to make it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it is just a Google document. Okay, that's literally all it is. It's in the same folder that Davis and I, like our show outlines live in so that either of us can go in and tweak uh, the template at any point we like. Uh, the only thing that uh, I ask of David is don't change uh, any of the things in curly brackets. But, you know, you look at it and there's two sets of curly brackets around something. You go, hmm, maybe I should ask before I yeah. touch this. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty simple, but it's great because it means that if, you know, if we were to change the name of the show from automators to shortcuts, um, which we're not planning on doing as a side note, folks, we like coming at the top of your uh, alphabetically listed podcasts. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, we could do that and you could just, you know, change, you know, a couple of bits in that in the document and it would happen. You know, if you wanted to change how we upload audio or where the sponsors list comes in our show notes, then, you know, that that would be easy for you to do, David, because you can just go in and edit that at any point. Uh, it would be super simple to do. Yeah. So, yeah. And then she's doing, uh, the thing she sent me the picture of, guys, is great. So uh, you're going to Airtable, then you're creating the document, then you're sending the name or you're sending the information for the link back to Airtable. Um, uh, how yeah. are you? Yeah, because there's a make link yeah. action. Yeah. So there's a Google Docs action for make a link um, to a specific document. And then I take the ID of the document that I just created. And then that goes back into Airtable. So from Airtable, from that Airtable list of all of our upcoming shows, I can just click on any link to any episode and it'll just open that note straight in Google uh, Docs for me so that I've got our show notes ready to go. Um, and, you know, th th this works for, for both of us, obviously, because we both have access to the yeah. Airtable. Um, and yeah, it, it's just a very simple little thing. But by having the create link for this action, then I can just get that link to that document. Now, actually, the the way that David and I have done this is is really sneaky. The whole folder is actually public so that either us or, you know, Stephen or Mike or anybody from Relay could just pop in there if they needed yeah. to. Um, but, you know, by using that make um, link action, it, it, it just gets me the nice specific link for that document uh, because not all documents in Google Docs would necessarily be public and have a link uh, like that by default. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in this particular case it does, but that make link action gives me the link and that updates the record. As you said, David, it just literally, uh, sets the show outline, uh, to the link. And it also adds the show outline ID just in case, uh, I needed that, uh, for any other automations in the future. 
Um, I I considered at one point having a thing where it can like if we um, change what's happening in an episode, then it'll like go through and like uh, update it or something. And then I was like, actually, no, you know what? This is too complicated. I'm just going to leave this here. But I have the show uh, ID just in case I need yeah, to. And so the, where that falls in is like sometimes we have a show that gets delayed or something, but, you know, it went through and made the ID already. Um, and what I've been doing, I don't know if I'm making it harder for Rose is if, if we populate a new outline, I'll just delete the old one. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I've been doing. Like I considered like, okay, if you like delete the URL to a document, then we've got the idea of the old one. So the first thing it should do would be delete that and then like go through and do the rest of it. And I was like, you know what? It, it doesn't matter if we have a couple of extra Google sheets, like Google docs kicking around in google drive like it's it's not a big deal um like we know which ones are right because they're linked in Airtable. um so you know it's it's easy enough to to handle them yep so uh yeah yeah um and then uh i i get a little bit fancy uh because when i create the document um in in uh the in the outline uh sorry where i create the actual outline file um I, I do have some notes that go in there, but there's some other bits that we want to put in there that like pop in at the top. Like, for example, if we're talking to a guest, um, then um, we need to like add some information in there. So they've got things like, um, you know, like, hey, like, thanks for agreeing to be on the show. You know, we're excited to talk to you, stuff like that. But David and I don't need that if we're just talking to each other like we are today. Um, so uh, I I put some some text together and then uh, I, I split the route depending on where we're going uh if we have a guest then it goes one way if we don't have a guest it goes the other way and i've done this by adding um a router action and then two filters uh but as a side note if you don't know what a router is or you go well sounds scary um all you need to do is try and connect two actions to the same previous action and it'll just pop one of those in automatically for you but a router uh has got like some little arrows on it so it's got one arrow going in and it's got one arrow going out for every single output that it has. Um, and very important, you can go in multiple directions, okay? You don't have to go in one direction here. Um, so uh, I have two filters. I've got one filter for it has a guest. Um, and it's, it's simple. It's just reading the guest information from Airtable. And it's, you know, it's not empty or has no guest. Uh, in which case, it says that it's not empty. Uh, so if it, if it's a guest, it's not empty. If it's a, if it, there's no guest, it is empty. Uh, and if there's uh, a guest, um, then it, it pops in some text that says, Hey, thanks for agreeing to be on the show. You know, we're excited. Um, because you know, we are, um, even though we've automated it, we are genuinely excited. And so then it replaces, uh, that text. Now, what I've done in this case is in our outline, we have like two square brackets around the word guest notes. And I've gone for square brackets instead of the curly brackets because I didn't want to replace this with the same text whether or not there's a guest going to be on the show. So I, I've used square brackets to highlight those and I'm just using the replace text action. So it pops that in. And then if nobody's going to be on the show, um, then it just replaces that information with absolutely nothing. That's it. Simple. Um, and uh, yeah, but I'm using the compose a string action from the tools before this to look for square brackets, guest notes, square brackets, and two line breaks. Um, because this gives me a multi-line string that I can then take and use in my replace text action. Um, and, you know, that that's it. Um, you know, it is 
a series of actions. This is a relatively long um, automation as far as, you know, these automations go. It's certainly more than if this, this, if this thing happens, then do that. But this was so worth automating because, you know, David and I sat down a couple of days ago. We planned out like the next four episodes or so that we're going to do, at least topic wise. You know, we know what topics we're going to talk about. Um, and then this just went and it made all of those outlines for us. Like we don't need to to sit down and, and think about this stuff um, again. Like it, it, it's just there so we can open the Google Drive folder or we can go from Airtable and just click it and the notes are there for us to add to. And it means that, you know, I won't create a, a show note and then you go, hey, Rose, did you already create notes for this? But it's like two o'clock in the morning my time. So I then don't reply until like 9 a.m. my time. And then you're waiting until the next day and stuff doesn't happen. It's just it's there or it isn't there. And, and it's as simple as that. Yeah. One of the tricks you talked about of replacing with nothing. I think some people don't realize that, but it is a super useful automator trick. You know? Yeah. Especially yeah. with text creation. Um, maybe something needs to be there. Maybe it doesn't and, uh, kind of replace with nil. So all you do is you just put a replace in there with nothing and it'll remove the token and you're good. Uh, with some apps you need to put some character in, I think Microsoft word, it used to have to put a space in, but it just, Mm -hmm. if a lot of them, you can just do it with nothing. And I, I think that's a really, really cool trick. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And one of the features that I'm using here, um, which um, in in this, because I realized at one point, like, hey, I've got like a tools thing, which is like notes colon in, in like a text thing. And then there's a replace text section. What's going on? I realized. So when, when we have our notes in Airtable, which is just a, a long text field in Airtable. So it's just a place for us to like note down a few ideas, post a link to something um, that we, you know, we're, we're thinking of using as our basis for the show outline. But a lot of the time we don't have this because, you know, you and I have talked and we've each got our individual notes, maybe in drafts or something. And so, you know, we don't think to put it in the air table. Um, so what this does, compose the text string, uh, just has notes, colon, space, space, and then uh, space, singular, sorry, and then two line breaks. And then it just replaces that act, that text. But Make is really smart in that if it can't find that old text, it's just going to keep going. It doesn't matter. It's It's totally happy with that. Uh, but it gives me the option to, you know, have the, those two line breaks. But because I forgot what this was at one point, I actually right clicked on the action um, and then I clicked add note because you can add a note to each individual module here. Um, and then if I click on the little notes icon at the bottom, then it actually shows me uh, what that is. Um, and like it shows me both the note and like where it's attached to, which is just really handy for this sort of thing because you know i've looked i've clearly done this before where i've gone through and been like oh i could tidy that up and delete this and then realize what it was doing and then had to go back and undo it um but fortunately you know past me has written a note so that i know what i'm i'm doing there or you know if you've got something that you don't know how to do yet you can leave a note on an action for yourself uh which is pretty nice so yeah well i do think that make is something people should be looking at they're interested in this stuff i'm definitely building my make um, actions out. Um, uh, and thanks for all that, that help Rose. Uh, mm. one of the things I do like about it is it is seem, it is both powerful and user-friendly of the services I've tried. It feels like it really gets that mix right. And the pricing model is aggressive. I mean, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to be going in at the $9 a month plan. Um, mm-hmm. which one are you using? So what I'm actually using is I am using the $9 a month plan with, uh, more executions. 
Okay. Um, because um, basically, uh, I just found that I needed to be able to run more scenarios every month than I was getting, but I I didn't need the next plan up. And what I really like about this is you can just add more uh, executions onto your existing plan. So yeah. I'm on the I I pay sixteen dollars a month uh, with annual billing for twenty thousand operations a month. Um, so actually thinking about it, uh, I've just looked at it again. Uh, I should probably just upgrade to pro because then I'll get $16,000 a month and uh, 120,000 operations a year, uh, which is the same thing. Um, but I also get some some more actions with that uh, where I can have like a 250 megabyte file size uploaded if I want to. So I should probably switch. Yeah. I, I might do that after the show. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's just one of those things where, uh, I, I think, I think I was previously getting a, a little bit of a deal, um, on my extra operations that I had every month. Um, but either way, uh, I think I'll, I think I'll be all, all good with, uh, this because, uh, you know, $16 a month and I get to do 120,000 actions a year automatically or more if I wanted to, you know, if I, if I want, uh, what was that? Uh, 24 million actions, uh, a year. Uh, annually, uh, so you know, twenty-four million actions. That's, uh, That's one thousand three hundred and seventy-seven dollars sixty-seven. Uh, my my my. I think my price is including uh, VAT, David. Yeah. Uh, so uh, well, I yeah. hope. <laughs> uh, but yeah. All right. So uh, uh, let's step away from make for a second. Uh, this show's coming out right before the holidays. Uh, any cool new automations for this year's holiday? I know we've talked about this in the past. I know you had your synchronized lights on your tree. Oh, uh, yeah. What else yeah. have you automated this holiday season? Um, well, uh, so, David, I have one automated Christmas tree with twinkly lights on it. Yeah. Uh, Hugh came out with Vest- Festavia lights, which sound pretty cool. And I would really like, but I don't have another Christmas tree. Or I didn't have another Christmas tree. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Um, I, I have not bought Hugh Festavia lights. Uh, it seemed a little pricey for an impulse purchase right before Christmas. Uh, but, uh, you know, if I didn't already have programmable lights, that would have happened for sure. Uh, as it is, I did make a mini programmable Christmas tree. And when I say mini, I mean, this thing is six inches tall. Um, so uh, I'm sure you've seen this sort of thing. And folks will have seen this as well. It's like a clear plastic Christmas tree um, with a little bit of white frosting at the bottom. And usually like when you flip it up, there's like a, a little battery compartment and then it's got like a little LED inside of it. And it's supposed to light up and look pretty. Um, and this was a lovely idea that I bought a couple of years ago. I believe I paid, uh, it may have been €1.99 uh, when I bought it, when I was living in Vienna, because I wanted a Christmas tree for my desk. Uh, but the LED in it was so tiny and it was so sad. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it just didn't really light up. Like if I have lights on, then you just couldn't see it. So um, I I ripped it apart. I, I took the batteries out uh, and I I threw in a, a NeoPixel ring, which is like a, a ring of LEDs yeah. uh, about an inch and a half in diameter. It's got 12 LEDs on it, but they're addressable. So you can turn on each individual one in different colors if you want. Um, and, uh, so I, I, I've, I set that up, um, and I, I just connected that to, to, to a mini controller board, which, uh, I was able to set up. I literally plugged it into my computer, uh, clicked like two buttons in home assistant and it, it set the whole thing up for me. Um, and now it's slowly swapping between rainbow colors in like a circular pattern behind me. Uh, and it's so much fun. 
Uh, and I'm really glad I did it because I just literally ripped out the battery compartment. I just took a pair of grips to it and, and pulled that out. I took the batteries out first to be clear, folks. I didn't, you know, risk damaging the batteries. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it took me like maybe, uh, I think it actually took me 10 minutes to take the battery compartment out and then like five minutes to connect the NeoPixel ring to the ESP and program it with Home Assistant. Uh, like I literally didn't write any code. <laughs> Yeah. I think I had to copy my Wi-Fi name and my uh, my Wi-Fi uh, uh, password um, into it, and and that was it. And and now it just rainbows, and it's brilliant. I love it. So I have a new programmable Christmas tree. I I didn't buy the Twinkly Wreath yet. They they've just come out with that, but I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe that'll be on the books for next year. Yeah, I have a Christmas tree that has like lights built into it. You know, a lot of the because mm-hmm. we use an artificial tree in California. You really don't want a tree. Oh yeah, same yeah. same. And the um, but the lights are wired into it. But the lights every year, like the lights are getting progressively worse in terms of like whole limbs just not working. And I just told my wife, next year I'm going to look at that. This some of these uh, automatic lighting solutions where you can you know have it do phasing and all kinds of cool light features. Yeah, because uh, we're going to have to put lights on the tree. The the built-in lights are no longer sufficient. So. That one is just kind of on the back burner for me, but I think it's out there. But they are quite expensive. Like they're, yeah. And that, that is something that, you know, is no fun. Uh, the only thing I did really this year, because Akara has taken over my automation triggers, is I bought a couple Akara switches. Um, I had the flick switches, but I used them up. And I, do I get more flick switches or just get Akara? I got the Akara switches uh, on Black Friday. And I've put a couple switches in the house. And I have wired all of the interior Christmas stuff to these switches. And mm-hmm. the idea just is, you know, making it easy for the rest of my family to turn the lights on for the tree in the village. We actually have two trees. So, you know, everything goes on with one touch. There's one by the front door, one in another area of the house. And uh, I've noticed that it's really landed with the family in terms of them being able to turn everything on and off. And I thought yep. that was good. But that's really the only thing I've done Christmas specific this year. Everything else is already wired down. I've got... The, you know, I've got the automatic um, uh, switch for the outdoor lights, which is on HomeKit. And er- everything is in pretty good shape for me. But this year, I did the most basic for automations as I added manual switches. Uh, so everybody else in the house can also get this stuff working. Yeah, I think that, that's a really nice idea. I also uh, have a tree with pre-wired lights Um on it, uh, but uh, I ended up just adding twinkly lights on top because the 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 built-in or not built-in, but the the pre-connected LEDs are still glowing and looking nice uh, for me. So I have those on like a, a dumb regular switch, um, and then I have the twinkly lights on top. So the the pre you know connected uh, Christmas tree lights are just um, they're they're just like a, a warm white that's constantly on. They don't do anything. Um, but honestly, it, it works really nicely with the twinkly lights. Um, so I'm, I'm glad I did that. Um, and, you know, you, you may be able to pick up uh, something like twinkly lights, say, after the holidays for cheaper. Or um, other than that, you know, they're th- this sort of uh, addressable uh, LED lights are becoming more and more popular. Um, you know, so you may you may find that there's alternatives out there. I know that Hue coming out with the Vestavia is is certainly a good sign because you know, once Hue come out with the, you know, the fancy and expensive version uh, of things, which, you know, I, I say it's expensive, it will work really well. 
um, you know, everybody else is going to hop on board. And I've seen, you know, more affordable alternatives coming from from Govee, G-O-V-E-E, and, and other similar, uh, you know, folks already. Um, downside is they may not be HomeKit connected. Um, but, you know, you can probably work around that with Home Assistant. Now you've got that running, David. Yeah, exactly. And the the thing you advised me to buy last year, the HomeKit controller power strip, Man, that is oh, yeah. so great for the holidays because, like, mm-hmm. we've, we've got, like, one area where we've got, like, multiple Christmas-related things. And being able to address each one individually is awesome. Yeah. Although I, I never found a use for it after Christmas. <laughs> I, you know, oh, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't pack it away with the Christmas stuff. I thought, well, I, I'm sure this is just too cool that I have this power strip I can address individually. And I could just never find a use for it. Uh, do you have one that you use in non-holiday scenarios? A, a yeah, yeah. So for the last two years, I've ended up buying new uh, like smart power strips every year because what happens is, you know, you buy it for Christmas, you connect the Christmas tree to it um, and, and some other bits. I've, I've got some little uh, IKEA yeah. starlights um, that I hang around sort of like my TV unit and so on, um, you know, because I make my whole living room a little bit Christmassy, uh, which is great. And uh, I just have Penelope. Uh, the Advent Calendar Penguin in my office. Uh, it's it's a big, giant stuffed penguin with pockets on the front for for each yeah. day of uh, you know the the, the month. Um, but um, you know, I, I I so I have these power strips, and then they end up in pl- in other places, uh, partially because you just need a power strip, right? Um, uh, or the the other one is oh, actually, I've got like three things that I need on smart plugs here, but smart plugs, um, I found I've had best of luck with Ikea ones. Actually, they're, they're the narrowest of the lot. Like you can usually fit multiples of those next to each other, but you know, once you've got like two or three of those on an extension lead, uh, the extension lead becomes pretty unwieldy. Um, and so, you know, I end up, um, you know, connecting, uh, them to a smart power strip. And so those have got pressed into service. So I've got one for, I've got a heating pad and a heated foot warmer in my office, David, because, uh, you know, there is a bit of an energy crisis going on over here. And I didn't want to, like, have to heat the whole house when I'm basically just sitting still. So it's like, yeah, heating pad and foot warmer. But I needed to be able to turn both of them off, like, when I'm not in my office. Like, I wanted that automated. So, you know, they've got a 45-minute cutoff um, where they will automatically turn off. But I was like, no, if I'm not in my office, they should just turn off. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I connected those to a smart power strip, which is great because it means I can turn them on automatically as well. And if I've left them on, um, then, you know, they turn on and just warm up and it's, it's really nice to be able to do that without having to like reach down and find like the power slider on it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I've ended up using a couple of those in different places now. I need to find a way to like take some devices. Like I have a, a nine volt powered device and, uh, like some of these small led lights, that are in batteries. I need to find a way to connect those to HomeKit so I can uh, use that. Well, if you've got battery devices, David, uh, I've been uh, watching some YouTube tutorials recently about uh, like cutting off the the battery supply or replacing the battery supply with a USB power supply instead. Yeah. Um, so you can just plug them into USB because all of the smart power strips that you can get have got USB ports on the end too. And those can be controlled usually as a group. Um, but if you've got a couple of lights connected to them, you know, like multiple lights connected, um, to USB, then, you know, they can all turn off at the same time, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Except that it requires cords. And I I really like that these devices are cordless either way. Um, so we got some good Christmas stuff going this year. Hopefully we gave you some good ideas on make today. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We are the automators podcast. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. We want to thank our sponsors at masterclass electric and LinkedIn jobs. If you want to get active in the forums, you can find those over at talk.automators.fm. Uh, great forums. They 
keep coming up with great solutions. Really smart people over there. Meanwhile, we'll be automators, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye, folks. <laughs>